Just another Thursday night at Kingsley Cinema. Thursday nights were when the cinema showed the release of a new movie, so it was always the most popular night of the week. Jared was used to working the Thursday night shifts, but usually he was the second person out, and one person stayed to close up after the premiere. But tonight, Jared had agreed to switch shifts with another employee for some extra cash, and he was the closing employee. As one of the starting football players for his college, he thought that working at a movie theater was a great way to pick up some chicks and make extra money on the weekend. And yet, one five-hour shift a week seemed to always irritate him, and he was not looking forward to the premiere of Sinister Secrets. Everybody was talking about the new horror movie, and because of the cinema's history, the premiere was going to draw in quite a crowd and quite a bit of attention. Even though it was the 1990s, people were still talking about the gruesome crimes that occurred in Kingsley Cinema in 1961. Ray Kingsley and his wife, Jeanette Kingsley, bought the land that Kingsley Cinema is built on and began building the cinema in 1959. Two years later, the cinema was finished and had planned a premiere event. That Thursday night of opening the cinema, everything was going smoothly and Ray had begun playing the movie when Jeanette walked in. They were showing a new scary movie that was all the rage in the 1960s. Jeanette walked in and she had a knife. She began stabbing people in the movie theater during the premiere, screaming that the cinema was cursed, cursed by something dark, something demonic. She had been acting strange ever since she and her husband began building the cinema, but nobody expected that massacre to occur. She was a woman possessed, and everybody in the theater was too frightened to try and stop her rampage. Some people who survived that night swore that there had been a man wielding a knife alongside Jeanette. A man that was not her husband, Ray. However, this can never be confirmed, and this was before the times of surveillance footage. Jeanette killed three people that night before she killed Ray, and finally herself. The cinema stayed open, and the Thursday night premieres became tradition to honor the people who lost their lives that night, and a portion of the money earned was given to the families of the victims of that night. Yet even as the movie premieres continued, there had always been rumors of ghosts at Kingsley Cinema. People would tell the typical stories of power outages, shadowy figures walking around late at night, and some people even said you could catch a glimpse of Jeanette and Ray hanging out in the lobby late at night. People in town didn't take the rumors too seriously, but Jared would get the occasional complaints about odd stuff going on in the theater. He obviously didn't believe in that sort of thing and assumed it was just pranksters or people feeding into the history of Kingsley. Jared was not looking forward to cleaning up a movie theater filled with spilled popcorn and candy wrappers. But if this extra money would buy him some beer for the weekend and he didn't have to ask his parents for cash each time, then it was worth it to him. By the time the movie started at 10 p.m., Jared was already counting down the minutes to leave. He had three different women approach him and say that somebody had started banging on their bathroom stall door when they were using the restroom, and he didn't have an answer for them. Jared apologized, but all three women were pretty upset, but Jared wasn't going to offer them anything for free. And he had two of the three 8pm movies start skipping, so he had to rush to restart the films and tame the crowd before they started getting upset. 
He didn't even want to talk to Todd, the other employee working, about what he might have had to deal with. Todd was supposed to leave at 10.30. Once everyone was settled into the brig premiere, and then Jared would take over and be responsible for making sure everyone left and the theater was cleaned up and locked up. But this night was turning into more work than Jared had anticipated, and he was starting to regret taking this shift. Just as the clock hit 10.15 and all the people were beginning to filter into the movie theater, the power flickered three times. Usually, Jared wouldn't give a rat's ass about the power, but the power thing was kind of odd. It was three long flickers, like if somebody had pulled the light switch down for a one Mississippi before pulling the light switch back up and then back down again for the same count. Jared knew that Todd was inside the theater playing the commercials and movie since all the other theaters had been cleared out. And the only person who had access to the audio and lighting room for the entire theater was Jared since he had the key to the maintenance room. Things were starting to seem strange. Jared felt slightly paranoid as the clock struck 10.30 and the movie was beginning to start. But after he watched the hand pass 10.45 and then 11, without any incident, he began to think that maybe somebody had just been pranking the theater or some kids were trying to have some Halloween fun. Since all was quiet, Jared assumed that Todd was able to get the movie started without a problem and had left. Jared was glad he didn't have to socialize anymore, and he just wanted to clean up and close up in peace. Shortly after midnight, people began leaving the theater. Jared could hear the excited conversations of the crowd talking about how scary and creepy the movie was. People were chasing each other around the theater lobby. Girls were yelling. It was the full works. Jared thought about how he would have to take some cheerleader to see it soon and cuddle up. He waited another 10 minutes for the rest of the people to filter out of the theater before he went in to start the cleanup. Todd had set the projector on autopilot so it would turn off automatically after the credits were over. The Premier Theater had a typical layout. There was a projection room at the top with windows and the projector sat on a table and the projector lens was half out of the window. The projector would automatically shut off 30 seconds after the end credits were over. So Jared was expecting a blank screen, lights on, and peace and quiet, even if the theater was filled with garbage. But when Jared walked into the premiere theater, he was instantly alarmed by the sound of music playing. As he opened the door to the premiere theater and walked down the semi-lit hallway towards the screen in front of him, he started to feel anxious for reasons he couldn't quite explain. Was it the music playing? Was it the earlier pranks in the night? He couldn't quite be sure. He just felt watched. The screen was black as it should have been, but the scary movie theme song was still playing. The theme song to Sinister Secrets. Jared sighed heavily telling himself that it was either an equipment malfunction or somebody was playing a prank on him somewhere. I mean, it was October. He turned around to walk out of the theater to head towards the equipment room to try and turn off the speakers since he was the only one who had a key. But 
he saw the door slowly shutting as if somebody had just either walked in or walked out of the premier theater. Jared's stomach instantly dropped, but his fear was quickly replaced by anger from the thought of somebody trying to prank him when he was all alone. Jared stormed out of the theater, ready to follow a mischievous teen, but when he stepped out of the door into the lobby, he didn't see anybody. Unless somebody moved at lightning speed, there was no way they could have made it to the equipment room or the second cinema because it was on the other side of the theater. It was at least 500 feet away and directly in front of Jared. Surely he would have been able to see somebody running towards the other side of the theater. And if somebody tried to run to the parking lot or the bathrooms near the entrance, they wouldn't have time to make it there without being spotted. All of a sudden, Jared felt sick as he heard the music playing in the theater behind him. Either it was getting louder, or Jared had not realized how eerily quiet it was. He was pulled back to reality, and he returned to his mission of turning off the speakers in the equipment room. But as he started walking towards the other end of the theater lobby, he felt anxious thinking of the door shutting behind him. Had he imagined it? Was there a draft in the building? Maybe somebody left a door cracked on their way out and it had just shut. Maybe Todd didn't shut the door all the way. He tried to dull his mind with rational thoughts until he was done figuring out the speaker situation and turning off the music. When he got to the equipment room, he didn't see anything out of the ordinary. He decided to unplug the sound system to make sure it was really turned off. As Jared turned around to head back to the main theater to clean up and make sure everything else was under control, he felt a deep sense of dread. Even though he had come up with explanations for what had happened so far, he still couldn't shake the uneasy feeling he had as he walked back to the main cinema. The walk felt like a mile, but he made it back unscathed. When Jared entered the main cinema again this time, it was dead silent. The screen was black and the lights were on. Everything was as it was supposed to be. Jared exhaled a small sigh of relief. He began his duties cleaning up popcorn and leftover soda cans. Every few minutes, he would look around to make sure he was alone and everything was still normal. So far, so good. After about 10 minutes and five aisles of cleaning, Jared heard the door slam shut behind him. He instantly ran down the few flights of stairs and out to the lobby to see who was behind the prank this time. He had a wave of adrenaline, now convinced that a teenage movie buff had lingered after the movie to have some Halloween fun in the theater. As Jared bust through the doors into the lobby again, ready for a fight this time, his heart dropped to the floor. As he had run through the door, he made eye contact with a woman with red eyes running directly towards him with a knife in her hand. She was making her way towards Jared at an unimaginable pace, and he barely had time to register what he was looking at before he realized that he had to make a run for it. Jared turned around so fast the main theater door had not even shut all the way from his prior exit behind him. Jared was terrified at what he had seen. That woman was not dressed in clothes from the 1990s, and she looked devilish and possessed. It almost looked like Ray Kingsley's wife, but there was no way it could be. She died over 30 years ago, and Jared did not believe in ghosts. But no matter what, he kept thinking of that knife-wielding woman in the lobby who had run with lightning speed. Who knows what she could do to Jared if she got her hands on him. He shuddered at the thought. 
This time, Jared ran right for the exit inside the main theater, but to his horror, the doors were locked. Jared pounded on the door and cursed its existence, but it stayed shut, as if the devil himself was trapping Jared inside this godforsaken theater tonight. Jared was still pounding on the exit door when he heard the door creak, followed by a whisper. Psst. The voice Jared heard was definitely that of a woman. Jared was struck with fear he had never known, realizing that the woman in the hallway was most likely the voice he had just heard, and now he didn't have any way out of the theater. Jared whipped around and scanned the semi-clean and dimly lit theater, but he saw nothing behind him. He was suddenly hit with an idea, one which he had to act on if he had any hopes of getting out of this sinister theater. Jared thought that if he ran up the stairs to the top row seats of the cinema and busted out the projector, he could stand on a chair and jump through the tiny window into the projector room where there was a phone and an emergency exit. Lord forbid the second emergency exit was closed, Jared could use the phone to call for help. At this point, he didn't care if he sounded crazy or like a wimp. He just wanted to get the hell out of that sinister cinema. Jared made a run for the top aisle of seats, ready to punch through the projector and throw himself through the small window. As Jared got to the top, he pushed the projector inwards with both hands as hard as he could to try and make it fall backwards out the window, but it was stuck and wouldn't budge. He whipped his head around to make sure he was still alone. So far, so good. He pushed the projector out of the window after some struggling and heard it crash to the ground. He would worry about the cost of that later. He started to stand up on the seat to try and squeeze through the small window when he heard another, Psst. This time, the whisper was so close to Jared that he felt his arm hairs instantly stand up. With all of his courage, Jared slowly turned around to see what was behind him. The woman with the knife was crawling up the stairs towards the top aisle, inches away from Jared. In shock, Jared lost his footing on the seat and slipped, falling face forward towards the step and directly towards the woman. But as Jared began to tumble down the stairs, he had the fleeting realization that he had fallen through the woman instead of into her or on top of her. The realization left him as quickly as it came and was replaced with darkness. When Jared came to, he realized that his neck was snapped and he was quickly fading away. He barely had any consciousness left in him when he heard the theater door open and saw two college girls walk in. Although he was confused by the two beautiful and familiar faces in front of him, he was struck with hope. Hope that what he just experienced was some sort of cruel ploy for revenge or a sick joke. And yet, even in those final dying moments, Jared subconsciously knew that the things he had just witnessed and experienced were otherworldly, supernatural, demonic even. Jared died in that cinema, clinging on to that little hope that he had left. Christy watched the life leave Jared's eyes and then took a step backwards. She didn't want to be here any longer than necessary. She had watched her fair share of forensic files, and she knew the longer her and Gabby remained on the scene, the more possible it was for them to leave evidence. Even though Christy worked at the cinema on different nights than Jared, she was not going to take any chances when it came to leaving evidence. How did the power get turned back on? Gabby asked timidly. I don't know. Maybe it was an automatic restart or something. It doesn't matter. Nobody else is here. We checked three times, Christy replied. 
but why is he so beat up? We didn't even do anything except scare him. I'm assuming he broke his neck falling from somewhere. Gabby whispered as if she was close to tears. Things had gotten weird since Christy and Gabby became close in college. Christy had always had a crush on Gabby, and the two had developed a close bond. But when Gabby told her the horrible things that Jared had done to her when they were together, something inside Christy had snapped. The two had spent months planning and plotting the perfect murder. And yet tonight, nothing was going as planned. Christy couldn't explain the power outage because she had worked at Kingsley Cinema for over a year and had never experienced electrical issues. Christy also couldn't explain the injuries to Jared's wrists and ankles. Yeah, it helped her story that a psycho wanted to recreate some sort of twisted movie fantasy scene and it couldn't have possibly been two college girls. But what had really caused those injuries? Could a human really just rip through jeans and flesh so cleanly like they were looking at? It had only taken them a minute or two to reach Jared after they heard the loud crash, which Christy assumed was Jared's deathly fall. Could something have cut him in that short time after he fell? It was then that Christy realized that Gabby's hand was shaking and that she was holding on to Christy's arm for dear life. Come on, Gabs, let's get out of here. We shouldn't stay here any longer than necessary, Christy said. Besides, we have a movie to catch across town. Christy pulled Gabby close and gave her a quick kiss, trying to ease the mood. Yeah, 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 whatever you say, girl. That's girlfriend to you now. Christy winked and put her arm around Gabby to lead her out of Kingsley Cinema and to go to the parking lot. As she held the door open for Gabby, like the gentleman that she was, she looked back one last time to make sure that they didn't drop anything or leave anything. And she could have sworn that she saw red eyes staring back at her from below a movie seat close to Jared's body. In her shock, she jumped back from the door and let it slam behind her. Christy, that was so loud, Gabby said. You were supposed to try and be quiet. I know, you're right, I'm sorry. I just, I don't know. I didn't mean to slam the door. Let's just get going before anyone notices. My bad. Christy did feel bad about that door slam, but if they booked it, nobody would see them leaving the parking lot. The girls were in luck because nobody was around the dimly lit cinema that night, and they drove off really quickly, trying to put the night behind them and think of their future together. But once they had driven for a couple minutes, Gabby finally had the courage to say what they both were thinking. Did you see it behind the car when we drove away? Yeah, I saw its eyes. Red eyes.